You're listening to the Swap Mono Live podcast show brought to you by our friends at OGO. Hey, thanks for listening to the Swap Mono Live podcast presented by OGO. I am here with uh, Geico Honda's Australian import hunter Lawrence. So, Hunter, we just had a, a pleasant, chilly ride up Skyline. Yeah, a bit cold, bit cold. Yeah, it was a little chilly this morning. It um, was. That night was sick. It was but, good. But you had to wear uh, just short sleeves for the photos. Yeah. No, I was uh, tossing up between the bodysuit and the traditional <laughs> khakis and, yeah, mountain bike shirt. So, <laughs> I knew the camera was out, so I couldn't get caught dead in Lycra going yeah. down downhill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lycra with the visor and yeah, a, and a Lycra camelback. and the visor, and then the camelback just screaming out, "Help me! I'm a beginner." Nice. So you are the uh, the newest uh, newest rider on the Geico Honda team. Mm-hmm. You're scheduled to do uh, 250 East Supercross. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're coming by way of the uh, World Championship Grand Prix Series, where you spent a few years, right? Yeah, correct. So correct. Uh, I mean, there'll be some fans listening that kind of like who's hunter lawrence so yeah give me the give me the two dollar rundown on on the career so far yeah well uh, i was uh, 16 when i left australia went to chase a dream in europe and we stayed there for three years i raced my first year in emx and then two years in the mx2 world championship mm-hmm. and then yeah and uh at the end of the second year we were lucky enough to ink a deal with geico for 2019 so that was pretty awesome, you know, pretty cool to to have be able to tick the boxes off on the sort of yeah. the how do you want to say it, not to do list but like on the the criteria sheet, you know, to, to getting where we want to be and then Europe was definitely a big part of it. So it was cool. We finished uh, actually ninth in the championship two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um this year I missed like I think gee eight rounds or something and maybe nearly half a season just due to injuries and and other stuff so um not the best year um but yeah no we're we're looking forward to the up and coming future it's awesome um all settled in here at the moment in in america so we're loving it it's cool all right so we got to uh chat you know a couple months ago when i first met you and you had said that you purposely went the route of um the gps first before coming to the U.S. because you looked at the past uh, past history of other Australian racers that have, yeah, have yeah, exactly. gone around. And yep. you, you felt that the ones who went to Europe first had greater success in the States? Yeah, yeah. We looked at um, yeah everyone that sort of ended up in America and, and just looked at the, their resume pretty much, you know, like all the guys that that had success and won races and, and, and were the most successful Australians, I'd say, in America. They all went... To Europe first, you know, Reedy obviously being the prime example, you know, he's yeah. he's probably the biggest example we followed and um so we thought, hey, there's obviously something to be learnt in Europe, you know, like because there's there's been guys that are coming from Australia over to America and racing, mm-hmm. you know, like it's there's been quite a few, but none of them have sort of made the made the impact as Chad did, you know, or, yeah. or Metcalf or Burner, you know, like those boys sorta they did Bruno go to um, Europe first? I'm pretty sure, yes, yes. Okay. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. Um, but yeah, so we were like, hey, obviously there's something to be learnt there, and and whether it was spending three to four months in in 
but five degrees Celsius mm-hmm. and below. Um, in snow, sleet, rainy, cold days where you don't see the sun for like three weeks, it's maybe it was that, or it was gee, I don't know, just your dark days. You just it's a tough old thing, you know. You're in foreign countries. Um, everything from let's say, gee, after training, where's your food places, you know, where do you go, you know, yeah. here it's, you know, ah, we'll go to Chipotle or, or Wabagru or whatever it may be, you know, like Whole Foods, you know, like for example, and where there it's like, they don't have a Whole Foods, yeah. you know, like every single country has different shops, so you find mm-hmm. your bearings in one country, well the next weekend you're racing in Italy where breakfast there is big old pieces of bread with ham and cheese yeah or like ham and cheese and tomatoes for breakfast you know like it's it's there's so many different different things and you go to to russia the food there's different it's all heavy like just uh-huh. like heart attack food almost <laughs> like your big mashed potatoes and meats 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 you know so it's it's it keeps you on your toes and it's just a, a good thing you know you're you're constantly adjusting to time weather climate food culture just everything you know so i mean it's yeah it's it made for t- an, it makes you tough yeah you know you can't you don't have the the luxury of feeling comfortable yeah. all year round you know you don't wake up and you have your same routine structure every day even on race day you don't mm-hmm. have that luxury of it so it's yeah it's a it's a wild story we've had in europe that's for sure what what country had the craziest food like the hardest place um craziest food I mean, Turkey this year was pretty, a bit different. Mm-hmm. It was, it was different. Like I, it threw me off. That's a prime example. It threw me off. I was, I was done for the second moto, you know, like, and I was fit and strong and like, and I was, I gassed out for the second moto. Just the breakfasts were, were like all sour creams and like your small <laughs> meat trays, like bits of ham and um, like just, just all weird stuff, you know, like that yeah. Turkish, like you have the souvlaki kind of or like this those sal- oh it was just not great you know <laughs> how about the flyaway races like did you did you race in uh in thailand no no i didn't go to indonesia but i i went the year before mm-hmm. um last year and yeah we just just stayed in the hotel the whole week <laughs> and we were there for like over a week we were there for like nine days or something yeah or no sorry a week probably a week yeah um and yeah it we only ate in the hotel um one night the Suzuki people we were with Suzuki and they took us out they wanted to bring us to their home restaurant thing they owned and and we went there and like yeah well, we didn't eat much and they yeah. had their like some of the guys are like some homemade alcohol they were given to some of the guys oh, on the team. like you know all the mechanics and stuff it's no no lie like they want they've had a stressful preseason they they want to relax so yeah a bit of having something to drink why not you know and yeah this stuff just knocked them flat on their backs like just the homemade <laughs> stuff and like none of the boys were like I think it was me and Jeremy Siwa mm. were the only riders that went out I think and and yeah we were just like. What's this? What's that? Fish? No, no. Chicken? Uh, no, it's okay. Like, yeah. we didn't eat nothing. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> crazy. There's some crazy experiences along with, with every trip, actually. So, I think my coolest GP experience was I got to see Villapoto win in Thailand. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, it's funny because I go to Thai restaurants here in California yeah, yeah. all the time. The Thai food in Thailand, you know, I guess it's authentic. Sure. So the U.S. Thai food is not authentic no, at all. No, and so it's, it's the same as, like, whether it be Chinese food or Mexican food. Like, yeah. I hear people here saying, like, yeah, 
Chipotle and stuff, that's like not even, and Meagles is not. Um, Meagles. <laughs> Miguel's. Meagles, yeah. And that's not like real Mexican food. And we're like, we love Mexican yeah, food, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's great. It's just the same everywhere, you know? It's never the same as it is in its real country. Yeah, but we, we got it in Thailand, we got in one of those tuk tuk things, the three wheel oh, yeah, taxis. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, tuk tuk. We went out, and dude, the funny, the most surreal experience I've had recently is. Those dudes are is, is Taking a, a tuk-tuk with Ryan Villapoto and looking for fake Rolexes and fake Louis Vuitton watch <laughs> purses and shit. It was just like the guy who could afford all the real stuff. We're yeah, looking for fake, fake shit. Stuff. Oh, dear me. But the, the street vendors of the meat that they were selling stuff, yeah. I mean, it looked good, but like you would never try it. Yeah, it well, sketchy. like me and, I mean, me and Jeremy, we were going for runs in Indonesia trying to get adjusted to the climate and yeah. like how hot it was and stuff. So we were going for runs out through the town and stuff. And where we were... In Jakarta, Pinkal Penang, I think it was called. Dude, it's no joke. Like, it is... We would go to a shopping center, and they would be rushing to take photos with us, not because we were not... Like, we weren't in team gear. It was because they'd never seen tourists right. before. Like, Caucasian tourists. <laughs> yeah, they'd yeah. never seen them. So it was like the king came to, to see, you know? Like, and it was the same for everyone. Mechanic, dads, like, everyone. Yeah. Of course, the riders that came with their girlfriends they were getting taken photos of more than the riders were, you know? Yeah. Like, but, yeah, we were going running, and they have the markets in, in their little towns, and there's, like, chicken and fish lying on the board in the sun, like, 35 <laughs> degrees heat. Yeah. And flies. you're like, and it's for sale, and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. You know, ironically, the best hamburger I've ever had in my entire life was in the hotel in Thailand. Yeah? Yeah, like, it's, it's kind of it crazy. It was probably, but... like, chicken and duck or something. Makes it... <laughs> Dog. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So, all right, so uh, another thing that you said to me that was pretty impactful when we first met was, uh, you know, being from Australia, the, the scene there is not that great. Yeah. And your family up and sold everything mm -hmm. and, like, packed up, and you guys were literally motocross gypsies to chase your dream. Pretty much, pretty much. We're the motocross gypsy family. I mean, we selling everything from just, like, nice sets of shoes in mm -hmm. that we had that we were like hey yeah we're not probably going to use these in Europe we're like well see if we can get 10 bucks for them it was literally that we had so many garage sales we were like just selling absolutely everything and anything we could just to have some money to to live off in Europe you know mm -hmm. and like yeah we didn't own the house um mum and dad didn't own it completely you know so when we sold that a lot of money went to the bank and stuff and yeah, we were just, gee, everything. I mean, it was pretty cool story. I mean, at the time, it was like we're, I mean, I wasn't stressing. I wanted, I had my bag packed from the night I got the phone call and I was ready to go. But for them, it's, I was sort of still young and, and I understood, but I did understand the concept of how, mm. how many ends they had to tie up and, and yeah. finish, you know, like just to, to move. Like, we honestly have no strings attached to Australia anymore. Yeah. Except family that lives there. Like, we mm -hmm. have nothing that ties us to Australia except our passport. Yeah. Um. So, it's like, yeah, when we came to Europe, it's like, well, there's there's no going back. You know, it was only forward and up from here. And that was, I think that helped. Because, I mean, if you, you go somewhere knowing you can go back, it just, you just have that mentality in your head. Like, net. gee, that safety net. If, hey, if it goes wrong, it's okay. You know, I can go back. I've got something to fall on. You know, where us, it was like... Yeah, it wasn't like that. We got there and it was like, well, we got to sort of figure yeah, it out, make figure it work. It out. Exactly. Somehow, some way. <laughs> so you had a uh, 
You had a ride from a Suzuki team, correct? No, it was uh, <coughs> the Monster Energy CLS Kawasaki. It okay. was the yeah. Kawasaki team at the time. Um, and how did you gain their attention? We were, when I was a kid, I would do the Junior World Championships or in Europe because it was the cheapest way for my dad to take me and my brother. He also done one. Mm-hmm. Um, cheapest way to get us racing overseas, you know, get the name out there. And we done, because the guy, Australian like the MA, Motorcycling Australia, would pay for me, my flights and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just dad. So basically it was a buy one, get one free sort of yeah. ticket. Um, so that's what we did. Just, yeah, just kept going there because it was, that was the cheapest way we could do it. And we just kept going over each year, put the resume in and made sure we were the best in our, in, in Australia. You know, we tried to always mm-hmm. be the best there and that we could get selected to go and represent Australia there and stuff. And, it's pretty cool because, yeah, they, they sort of, we got the name out and it was actually Ben Townley. Ben Townley called Gail and JJ Lucetti because they um, they were looking for someone, I think, and he mm-hmm. said, you have to give this kid a chance. And, uh, yeah, so if it wasn't for BT, I don't know if we would have gotten the opportunity, you know. So, yeah, we got the opportunity from them. They called us and, and we were sort of like, Dad, I remember they called Dad and they were like, yeah, we're the factory team, blah, blah, blah. And Dad's like, uh, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> who are your riders then? Yeah. And then he's sort of like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, factory team, okay, okay. Well, who are your riders? And the guy's like, yeah, Jordy Tixier, Dylan Ferrandis, and Thomas Covington at the time it was. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, uh, he was like, so you're the... You're from you like yeah. We were sort of like a bit starstruck because we never thought that level would, you yeah. know, make the call to to our phone and stuff. So yeah, if it wasn't for Ben Townley, it wouldn't have. I don't know if it would have been been happening, you know. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say that um, the moto scene in Australia is limited. Yeah, right? it is. But for 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 me, you know, being a U.S. guy, thinking of like, there's been so many big name Australian guys that have come here, you know? Yeah. You know, Reedy, Metcalf, back to Leesk. Sure. Craig sure. Anderson. Uh, it just seems like why why does the country where quote unquote motocross isn't that big, why do they produce so many premier guys? I don't know. I mean I just think you can honestly I think you find now there's there's top athletes coming from all countries across the world. It's just if you you want it you can if you want it you can you'll make it happen you know like yeah. i mean there's a lot of i think the australian sort of industry uh how i say it like motocross like they create good riders because the tracks there and the nationals like they rip them deep and they water them heaps so the tracks mm-hmm. are always technical and and rutty and tricky you know so i mean that could be one um gee i don't know could it be because all of those boys were racing internationally that mm-hmm. they kept up with the they kept like on par with the other international riders maybe um that's the only thing i can sort of put it to because the guys that have been big names have 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 generally raced outside of australia they've either raced in america or or europe you know so i think i don't know if they only raced in australia that they would be the name they are today you know because they would just be racing in their backyard um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It could be that, but then again, I'm I'm not sure. I've been wrong before, so I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> who's uh, who's who's your 
like do you have a is your favorite rider or slash idol is it an australian rider or is it a u.s guy or no it was it was villa Poto. i mean it's um growing up as a kid it was villa i love terry road from like when he when he first came out of juniors i remember watching videos of him at ponka city when he was 615 you know and yeah the last year of juniors i'm pretty sure and then he went to to mitch yeah for pro and stuff and yeah that was i'm he was like the guy growing up on 250s and stuff like he wasn't the most dominant but i just loved how he rode and you could just see that aggression and want Mm. you could see how he was riding that like he wanted it you know and it was just like there was i remember the year that him and townley were battling for the title i think that was one of the best years of racing in the 250s yeah I, I think, like, it went down to the last round. It was, if he won the first moto, Townley would get the second moto, and then vice yeah, versa. And yeah. it, like, it was so, so cool. And I remember watching videos of him, like, jumping over, out of a rut, like, over some dude's front wheel and stuff. Like, <laughs> it was just crazy, and it was sick, you know, at, at Millville, when they were jumping on that thing before, where, like, Reedy had that, yeah. that crash. Yeah. Like, they jump up side by side on that little side thing, like... Just that. That's probably my favorite year of watching racing. Would that be yeah. that year? You know, the thing I miss about watching RV race is how he just used the entire track, the yeah. outsides and everything. And yeah. It was funny because I was, I was texting with him the other day. I was, you know, going through my phone deleting yeah. pictures. But, dude, the, it's funny the way that his GP season ended up. And obviously sure. it, was, it was bike setup and maybe he's burned out. Yeah. But watching him train for the gps in the u.s before he left there was one day at Glen holland when i was watching him and he was like working every outside line and it looked like he was too fast for the track, for the track. it looked like the track couldn't hold him in you know yeah, what i mean yeah and i told him i go dude you were like the fastest ride i've ever seen that day and he's like come on you know but but yeah it's it's different i mean you you see it um yeah I mean, it's there's guys over there that are stupidly fast and stuff, but it just sometimes it doesn't sort of translate the whole American style track yeah. to the Europe style thing. You know, I mean, from just what I've seen, I haven't experienced an American motocross track Not yet by yeah. the nationals, so I can't I can't really say exactly. But from what I've seen, it looks like the bumps are a lot softer, mm-hmm. the tracks are ripped a hell of a lot deeper, um, the dirt's a lot softer. And their hard pack is just not the same as our hard pack. Like, their hard pack is you run a soft tire, but if you really wanted to, you could run a paddle tire. Where over there, it's like, hard you know, it's hard pack. Like, because there's concrete, on. you know, and the bumps are so sharp and square-edged. And it's just different. Like, the sand over there, you can't explain it because it's something that, no unless bottom. you ride it, you even, no, even not, not no bottom, but there's tracks that they have a bottom and stuff, but the sand is just different. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's, oh, I, I'm not even going to bother trying to explain it. <laughs> like, unless you ride it, you will not be able to understand it. And that's just how it is, you know? Like, when we come over and ride it, it was just like, oh, like, it clicks, you know? Yeah. You just know, like, fuck, oh, that's just so different, and it takes time. I mean, but, yeah. It, it was cool to see Velo go over there. I was... Yeah, bummed out, but I mean, from my experience in the GPs, I can know, I, I can understand, and I don't blame the guy. I mean, yeah, what he was dealing with and stuff. I mean, hey, unless you know, you you can't say much on it. Yeah, dude, the gnarliest thing at, at the GP in Thailand was like, you know, it was 
super hot and humid, yeah. right? <laughs> so all the riders were like pitted in this one room, mm. that air conditioned room, right? And so yeah. like everyone had like a little lawn chair and set sure. up, and the whole place smelled like fucking socks, right? Because oh, it's so bad. Yeah. <clears throat> but outside, there was one of those tubs of ice water. Yeah. And like everyone was taking turns getting in it, like, like. It would be RV, and then he'd get out, and then Rattray would get in, and then, he, oh. and then Tixier would get in. It was Jump just in. so gross, right? Yeah, all just a sweat fest. But um, but hey, so you saying uh, RV was your hero growing up? It's got to be pretty cool now that you guys are represented by the same agent, Lu- Lucas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never so, thought. So I mean, you gotta, like, you probably yeah. interact with him quite often. Yeah, we talk right? and stuff, and it's cool. I mean, it, it's it's pretty surreal, and now you just. Now that you get to know him, you're just like, oh, you're just you're just an idiot, like like a normal guy, you know. So yeah. it's it's cool, but yeah, I mean, for sure, it's I never thought. I remember as a kid, you know, you stalk him up on Facebook, like, oh, maybe you find like just you know, yeah. kid stuff, stupid stuff, and you're like, oh man, I'd never, I'd never like imagine if I got to talk to him or something. Mm-hmm. Or like then you see films of him and, and his dad, you're like, oh, it'd be sick to know his dad as well, because then you'd meet him and yeah. and stuff. And I mean, that was. Yeah, pretty tragic this 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 year. I mean, I got to know him and his father, you know, yeah. and and uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like the day before, you know, and yeah, we were at the track and stuff, and you know, I was like talking to him and stuff, just like like a mate, and and you know, and and then yeah, it's unbelievable, like crazy yeah. condolences to the family, but but yeah, it was it's it's amazing to sort of meeting my childhood hero and stuff and now like we give each other crap and, and yeah, yeah Lucas, dude he's the he's like know, the world champion he, shit talker between me and him we like we're making Lucas lose hair by the minute you know <laughs> like we're always winding him up and so nah it's cool it's really cool yeah well, the last time I was doing a photo shoot with Ryan Lucas is texting me hey hey man does he have that sticker on his helmet and this yeah. and that just it was, it's yeah, funny. He, we bust his <clears throat> balls. <laughs> no doubt. We bust his balls. Nah, he's a good dude, Lucas, as well. Yeah. So, um, getting back to the whole, uh, you know, the family sold everything to chase the dream. I mean, I know, uh, like, you're, what, you're 19, right? Yeah. All right, so, like, being around you, my impression is that you're really mature for 19. Yeah, I am. I um, am. Is it because you carry some weight? on your shoulders like do you feel like there's pressure to succeed because of your family sacrificing everything no nah, not really i think i'm pretty mature because i like older women <laughs> but no nah. yeah how old is your, is your um, chick yeah she's older than me like a yeah. couple years but no it's i mean i don't know um i would agree and say yeah i'm quite mature for my age and stuff like don't get me wrong i can still be an idiot like i'm 16 but i mean it i don't think it's because of the weight and stuff like I don't feel a weight like because we got there and it was our life so that's your yeah. life you know yeah. and then we moved to here and then here's our life now you know and stuff and and everyone in the family's just as equally invested emotionally and stuff in yeah. in this sport you know mum she, she's a moto mum you know like some days it's like geez mum just <laughs> cool it down you know I don't want to talk about riding tonight and stuff you know so it's which is cool you know I know there's a lot of mums out there that don't support it 100% I mean, she's a little bit iffy on the Supercross stuff. She doesn't. She's not a fan of that because yeah. it's, it's gnarly. And but she's awesome. She's yeah, follows us around around the globe. And same with Tate. I have a middle brother, mm-hmm. um, a special needs. Um, so he's he doesn't ride. 
Mm-hmm. He he just follows us around and and he's always happy and stuff. So I mean, he's awesome. You know, we're lucky with him. Um, a lot of special needs kids can can be either really recluse mm-hmm. and you flat out getting a word out of them, or they can be opposite and be like just uh, wide like open, yeah, firing like pistons or firing. You know, mm-hmm. so um, and and that's Tate. You know, so he's we're lucky with him. He's always in a good mood. He's pretty cruisy. You can bribe him with food so if there's something he's not happy about you can always say hey mate look you know we'll do this later and then ah oh, yeah sweet you know like so it's yeah and that makes it easier making it up to him making him happy and like making up for what he has to sacrifice definitely helps out yeah um but yeah i mean it's yeah the whole the whole family's into it and stuff so i mean it's the, the best thing i think so there's you you're 19 how old is tate he's <clears throat> gee what is he He's 16. 16. Wait. Yeah, and he's 17 next year. That's and, crazy. That's scary. And Jet's 15? He's 15, yeah. He turned 15. 15 this year. So how is the brother-brother relationship with Jet? Like, It's funny because <laughs> uh, the mountain bike ride we did at Greer, you were just capping on him the whole time. Yeah, because he's getting to that age now where he's mouthy and he's, you know, he's becoming a little older and stuff so that's just normal i mean he's he's my brother and stuff in my blood and i love him but i hate him a lot as well and <laughs> i mean it's it's normal you know you ask any brother and brothers like they always fight that's just how it is i mean yeah. it's it's my job you know it's i think yeah not toughen him up but you know like yeah. they, the, the third child they always get a little bit of li- li- uh looser leash yeah definitely than, than the firstborn you know <coughs> so i'm always giving him a little roughing up to <laughs> to uh yeah appreciate it but but nah i mean it's it's, it's funny because it's like you know you guys are what uh four years apart yeah so yep. like i've never had that brother dynamic like that because mm. I, was, I was a straight up accident like i'm <laughs> i'm 14 years younger than then my brother, brother ross uh-huh and like 16 years younger than my oldest brother yeah okay so that was i was like, like my dad i grew up with like three fathers you know sure, they, they sure. all took care of me so yeah I've always had that, like, you know, admiration for my older brothers and everything. Yeah. So I never had the quarreling thing. Sure. You know? Yeah, my dad was the same. He had an older sister who was, gee, what, 10 or something years older than him, and his brother was 12, so he was the yeah. same. But, yeah, Dad had having it a lot closer. Like, there's days where I tell mum and dad, like, you guys are idiots for having more than one child or two kids, <laughs> like, just winding them up, you know. And But... Yeah, I mean, no, nah, we'll be fine. When we get older, it's just normal, you know. Like, yeah. we don't we don't have a problem with each other. It's just when we, you know, when you're with someone for 24-7, no matter yeah. how much you love them, I mean, it's only natural you get annoyed with them and want he, to tell them, like, piss off, you know. <laughs> yeah, he seems a bit cockier. Yeah, you know. probably. He's definitely a lot more mouthier and stuff. Oh, I mean, he's a kid. Like, if he, if he feels confident in his, like in his group or he's in his comfort uh, zone then yeah he'll chirp off and stuff which, yeah it's normal and, you know what I've, I've enjoyed is uh watching the interaction on instagram with him and joe shimoda yeah yeah because yeah, he's brought joe out of his shell yeah that, that, that's what time. i would say because joe yeah dude that kid is awesome you know i'm, I'm yeah. interested in him because he's like the first japanese kid that's sure. got a potential to sure. do something exactly. at the highest levels but so like i talked to him when i first met him I met him through his mechanic, uh-huh. Cameron. Yeah. And, dude, my the most irritating thing for me is when someone shakes your hand like a dead fish, you know, like all limp. <laughs> yeah. And Japanese people typically do that because mm-hmm. they don't shake hands, they bow, right? Uh-huh. And so when I met Joe, he's riding 85, and I shook his hand and everything. I'm talking to Cameron. I go, hey, dude, 
you have to tell Joe he's gonna shake his hand like like a man, like squeeze back hard. Yeah, squeeze. It was funny because I've been telling Cameron things to tell Joe because they're Joe. close, right? Yeah, yeah. But like now that I'm better friends with Joe, I'm like, hey, dude, you you gotta show more emotion. You know, you gotta quit yeah, being yeah. such a little weenie. And, uh, <laughs> It's funny because I'll text him something and, and our joke now is okay, period, as a reply. Because I'll okay. like, oh, hey, Joe, um, you know, I, I'm making you a poster of the movie poster. And he just writes back, okay, period. <laughs> oh, bitch, show some excitement yeah, or something. Some free, uh, so now he'll just send me a bunch of exclamation points. But So he's super flat, right? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I've seen since Jet's been around him, he's when they're talking shit on up. each other on Instagram, I was cracking up. Like Jet calls yeah. him Chinese. Yeah, he's saying like, go back to China or whatever. Yeah. And then Joe's saying, yeah, go back to England. Or yeah. whatever. You know, like it's funny. <laughs> it's cool. The team said that, that, that uh, Joe's definitely out of his shell a lot more and stuff. Yeah. And it's cool. But Jet's the same. He's hopeless. Like you ask Lucas on, on when he tries to talk to Jet on, on like by message, he'll be like, hey man, how you feeling? Like how was riding today? And he'd be like, good. <laughs> and then Luke's yeah. like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, what are you up to tomorrow? And he's just, like, riding. And yeah. he's like, okay, cool. Cool conversation. Thanks, bro. Yeah. He's like, okay. <laughs> like, just a d- yeah. dick on text, you know? Dude, I, I was dying when I was looking at, I think, at Minio's. They had, like, that, yeah, the that, typewriter, the typewriter stickers. And, and it was stickers all, out. Oh. <laughs> my name's Joe and I like boys or something. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was just, I remember seeing photos. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Are you there for racing or like smack yeah. talk? So with uh, Jet, he's on the AMSO Honda team. Yep, yep. Did Lucas package you guys up as a package deal or did like Geico want you and then you said, hey, I've got a quick brother too? And then, Well, I'm pretty sure they sort of half found out about Jet after they sort of mm-hmm. like investigated me, I guess. So sort of like, yeah, got sort of my name in the door, I guess. And then... As, yeah, we sort of got all sorted and done, you know, at the time it was going to be like, hey, yeah, Hunter will go over and sort of by himself. But then, yeah, you know, that's one thing that's great about Jeff Myshack and, and Ziggy um, and Dan, you know, like they're yeah. very, they're very, uh, I want to, not soft-hearted guys, but they're very family-orientated and, yeah. and, and that's awesome because you don't have a lot of team managers and team owners like mm-hmm. that, so... Mm-hmm. They said, like, hey, you know, like, we see the brothers pretty good as well. Like, we'd love to keep you together as a family. Yeah. Because they knew, you know, like, hey, he's a 19-year-old moving over by himself, you know, on, mm-hmm. on if he's going to be there by himself. You know, it's better to have a family or have a, a, a what's the word, like, a strong supporter yeah. behind them, you know. Um, so, at that time, it was, yeah, like, hey, let's let's keep the family together. And, and it was awesome. I mean, that's that's one thing which gave us so much comfort about signing with them is, is mm-hmm. Jeff and, and all the guys, you know, they're so, so awesome as a team. Like they're, it's like a massive family. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I think we have, I've, I think it's safe to say I've got the best team in the paddock. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as staff goes by, I mean, for sure it's, it's awesome. And Hey, the bike's freaking badass too. So no, it was awesome. I'm super blessed and fortunate, um, to, to have this opportunity. I mean, it's, a dream, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Well, hey, on that note, let's take a quick break to uh, hear from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. This off season, I've been training harder than ever getting ready for 2019, and I've been using Rhino Power supplements before, during, and after my training, and has made a big difference, especially the motivation pills. 
Use SWATMOTO as your discount code at checkout for 10% off your purchase plus free shipping on rhinopower.com. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. So yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further longer and faster they they just brought out a new taser e-bike which is uh, yeah everyone's given the double thumbs up on so head down to your local intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at intensecycles.com check it out guys what's up this is christian craig as a motocross racer being in top physical shape is a must and my favorite way to train is cycling and whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. So welcome back to the Swap Moto Life podcast presented by OGO. Here with Jet Lawrence. No, oh. I'm here with Hunter oh. Lawrence. We're talking about You're Jet. the ugly one, not oh. the good looking one. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, what were the the feelings and emotions and stuff coming to the U.S. for I the first stoked. time? I was stoked. I was pumped. I mean, we went to the last round of MXGP with, like, bags packed in the truck. <laughs> it just couldn't the wait team to truck. be done. I came down with bags. My dad had bags. My girlfriend came down with bags because we had extras. And, yeah, then we went from the last GP, which I'm going to claim could have been my first GP win, but we had a bike DNF. Oh. So I was bummed on that. But anyway, we uh, then we went to the airport Monday. Monday morning, straight mm -hmm. up. Bam to the airport, flew to Chicago, met the team there, got a hire car, pinned it to the track. No, so straight hotel. to destinations, right? No, yeah, but we went and did one day of testing at Martin MX, somewhere north mm -hmm. of, uh, uh, what's it called? Misha Walker? No, South Bend. South Bend, wherever that was. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Dropped all the bags in the semi, which that was awesome because we were carrying around like eight bags or something in our hire car. So we had bags sitting on the console. We'd have to lift one bag up to change gear in the car, <laughs> like the back, dude. It was absolutely packed. Chuck them in the semi, and then, yeah, we came to Nations, and then I was there. So then I, after Nations, flew back to Orange County, to Cali. And then dad flew back to Europe to get the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. So he flew back to Belgium, was there for three days, packed the rest of the house up, got everything sorted there, and then flew back over to California with the rest of the family. Hmm. Did you guys have a, a, a home picked out before that, or did you just come here and yes, choose they, they Lucas was a massive help in that matter because we don't have credit, obviously, yeah. in the country. So that was a big thing. Um, then the houses were going so fast and we actually got lucky with the house we had. it was, wasn't on a real estate place um, on a real estate site mm -hmm. it was a private 
uh, woman that you wanted to, to rent it and stuff. So yeah. we got lucky. And yeah, Lucas was zipping out to like North Corona every day, which he was hating. He'd hate going out to I'm that surprised. And... I, I'm surprised Lucas located you there and didn't want you in Laguna Beach. Yeah, no, no. Somewhere no, where we, you have to drive with your pinkies out. We, we dialed it in. We didn't have to go to the highway to get it to the workshop or nothing like that. It's dialed in. We're, we're avoiding the traffic as much as possible, which Lucas helped out with because obviously he lived there. He knew the whole deal and, yeah. and stuff. So that made life 10 times easier. And, uh, yeah, he'd go out to Corona and stuff and do this deal. And so we had it when we came over. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty sweet, actually. So is the place in Corona, Norco? Yeah, is it's it, like is on it the like, border of, like, Norco and Eastvale, pretty much. So by European standards, is the house pretty big? Yeah. Like, from compared yeah. to what you lived in Sure. Previous? Like, in Australia, the houses are pretty similar <coughs> to American style. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a little bit... Uh, like, our house in Australia wasn't big, but it was definitely big considering to what we lived in. It was huge considering what we lived in in Europe mm-hmm. for the past three years. Yeah. But in Australia, it was quite small. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the one we're in now, it's sick. It's double story, so we got stairs. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. As a kid living in a little, like, yeah, little flat, you're like, oh, I wish I had upstairs, you know? So yeah. It's pretty cool. We got a pool, which is amazing. Never oh, had a pool, yeah. so in summer we're going to be reaping the benefits of that, I bet. Definitely. At the moment, it's just a, a shape and form of recovery, the ice bath. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So, dude, it's, it's so cold so right now. Cold. So, yeah, but, um, no, it's sick. I love it. It's cool. It feels like home now, and it feels more like home here than it has in any of the houses we lived in in Europe. Mm-hmm. We rented in Europe, so that's that's pretty cool. Um. It's just real comforting and stuff, so I'm stoked on it. Right on. So uh, going from selling everything you own in Australia and bouncing around from different countries in in Europe, and then now being here and being in a house, and you know we're we're sitting in your your brand new Honda Ridgeline truck. Ridgeline gang. So is this did you is this part of your contract or did you buy it or did you lease it? No, we. The this is just another thing that I'm blown away with, and Mertzi keeps praising the American dream. It's a, <laughs> it's the best here and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, whatever, Mertz, you know. And and yeah, the guys at um, Freeway Honda, um, Derek down there, he loves the sport. He rides yeah. himself and stuff, and he he wanted to support someone. And yeah, I was just, I guess, you know, Johnny O'Mara knew knew him, and he mm-hmm. sort of threw my name in the door and. And I guess I was just at the right place at the right time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of guys that um, are based out here yeah. in California for the whole year like I, I'll be, you know. I mean, obviously, there's other guys that are. But, yeah, I mean, I was just, I think, freaking just in the right place in the right time. Bless. Yeah, it's, so this it's is a sponsored awesome. truck. Yeah. Freeway Honda. Freeway Honda. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, the dudes down there are awesome. If you need, If you need a truck. Yeah. They can they can hook you up for sure. The new Ridgeline, it's sick. It looks cool. The old one wasn't as good looking as, yeah. as maybe The best thing of... about the Ridgeline is the trunk under the bed. Exactly. you got a badass little sneaky trunk. So when you go get food after riding, you chuck your gear bag under there. You don't have to worry about putting your stuff in the back seat. And, yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's like the thing looks trick too. It's got like it looks modern and... Mm-hmm. and yeah, it's awesome. It's good on fuel too, comparing it to like a Tundra or like your big GMCs and Chevys and stuff. So, I mean, hey, the thing's double thumbs up from me. I recommend it. Yeah. Well, just 
my my little uh, obligation to my truck sponsor. I have to say, hey, that that Toyota Escondido Action Sports Toyota Tundra parked right in front of us. It looks pretty <laughs> fucking sweet. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, the Ridgeline's just all blacked out. It's just don't worry about. Yeah, it. where's your logos? The big. Hunter Lawrence. See, we're not doing stickers that stuff on yet. We're not trying to blow my trumpet <coughs> yet. I'm just cruising low key, you know. <laughs> I'm just cruising around doing my thing. When this thing's just looking nasty and is, low riding, is, is Freeway it. the dealer that um, helped out Christian and Cole previously, or is that no? A different I think one? that's Metro. Yeah, that was Metro. Metro. It's a different one. Yeah. No, this thing's sick. Don't need no stickers. Looks badass as it is. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Osho. Yeah. A little bit. And then when we were riding up the hill, you talked about him a little bit. Um, have you met him or do you know him at all? Not really. That's the weird thing. I mean, I haven't really sort of met the guy. And I mean, he sort of kind of hooked me up with the truck. So I feel a little bit obligated to like meet him soon yeah. and like take him out for dinner or something or shout him a carton of beer. I don't know. Like what's he do? <laughs> you know? Dude, Osho so, is, it's funny. Like for you, it's RV. For me, it was like Johnny O and David Bailey. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like David Bailey was like my idol. Like I tried to dress like him and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. make my bike look like his and everything. But Osho was very, uh, very cool also. And yeah, yeah. and there was a point where I tried to emulate Osho. I bought the same helmet and the <laughs> mouth guard and everything. But for me, you know, in my position as a journalist, I, I interact with all you know, like guys like you. Yeah, and, sure, sure. And, and but I never worked as a journalist with the generation of riders that I idolized, right? You idolized, yeah. So, like, like, right at the very start of my career, Ron Lachine was a privateer on a Kawasaki. Okay. And so I got to interact with him a little bit. But I never got to work with Osho as a professional, like, magazine guy. Yeah, okay. So still, when I see him now, I still get all pumped. Yeah, sure, like, I bet, I bet. Like, I mean, he hasn't raced for how many decades, but... It's still that guy. When I see him at the track... Too. Oh, hey, Johnny. But yeah, he's so sure. cool. and That's awesome. You know, I've ridden mountain bikes with him several times. And, like, the whole time I ride a mountain bike with him, I'm just like, oh, I'm riding with Riding Osho. with Osho. I can't Osho. Yeah, this, that's you know? awesome. Yeah, he's a machine on the bike, I've heard. But he's uh, he's he's super gnarly. And he's, you know, he's training Joey right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But speaking of that, do you have a trainer here or are you doing your no, own thing? No, just doing my own thing. Just sort of, yeah, running my own show, I guess. Yeah. So is it hard to... Like, some riders need a drainer to crack the whip and tell them exactly what to do. Yeah. They want a regiment. Um, do you feel like you're self-motivated? And, and yeah, I mean, it's no, it's not rocket science. I mean, I want to win, so I just go and work hard, you know? Whatever's getting tired on the bike, that's what I go and work on. I mean, mm-hmm. I do, I have set programs and stuff I do. I mean, Kenny's dad was helping me out when I was in Europe and stuff, so yeah. I just... Yeah, I just use those programs. Obviously, Supercross, the training and everything's a bit different. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I just mix it up and I just constantly doing different things just to to keep your body sort of never getting used to it, you know, yeah. in a rut. So, I mean, yeah, I just mix it up and just work hard. I mean, it's, it's like how it is and I don't know. What, I mean, what's your typical week like? Yeah, I mean, I'll do... Net, well, now it's, yeah, you ride Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday is sort of your day off of riding, so you'll go and go to the gym or, or a cycle or swimming and stuff, and then Thursday, Friday, riding, you know, and then Saturday we'll go for a mad session at Greer, 
in the morning, <laughs> good two two hours, two hundred hours, and then Sunday's just a chill day, clean the house a bit, and yeah, whatever it may be. I don't know. I don't do so much. I'm pretty boring, but um, yeah, and then back into it, I guess. Yeah. So one of the one of the ways you train is on a mountain bike. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. We just we just climb skyline together. It's pretty cool. Like I mean, you've come to America and and all these things kind of come together for you. Like the, yeah, the sponsorship with intense bikes. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So you have a, a oh, sick it's mountain sick. bike. I right? mean, in Australia, me and my best mate Josh, we'd we'd freaking go. We got in trouble for building mountain bike trails out the back of our school. You know, like we had school ovals. Um, we'd play football and stuff like football fields, and then we had forestry back and on that with some hills. So we'd go. In the mornings before school, we'd get there at like six o'clock or something, and school mm-hmm. started at seven forty-five. Yeah, or like we were getting there stupid early, like because we didn't drive, so our mums yeah. were getting sick and tired of waking up so early to take us to school. And so then we had to start riding to school with shovels on our backpacks, on our bags, <laughs> and like rakes and stuff. And we'd go shovel trails, and then we'd like in lunch times we'd go and shovel trails in there, and like. They obviously found out and they shut it down, but like then we moved to forestry and then he got his peas and stuff, so it was like, yeah, you beauty, we can go whenever we want. And uh-huh. yeah, we'd shovel up trails and ride, and we, we loved the whole mountain bike scene and stuff. And, and you know, back then we were saving every penny and, and going to work with our dads. And like my dad was a solid plasterer, a renderer, mm-hmm. and so he'd put like a sandy mud on outside of bricks for those huh. of you that don't know. and that was freaking hard. Like, I was destroyed after a day of that. And I'd do that and save up, and we'd be buying secondhand bikes and stuff and just mm-hmm. to go and do it. So now to have, yeah, the the intense sponsorship, it's like, it's the, the amount of great, how grateful I am of it. It's unbelievable. I mean, the bikes are, I never would have even looked twice at them. They're a freaking, like, gnarly bike price-wise. And, yeah. And at yeah top of the line bike like we were like dude no 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 where's the second hand bike like cash converters you know like looking all that on facebook things and so yeah it's it's unreal yeah that i think that the whole intense thing's pretty cool because they've traditionally been involved with motocross i mean yeah. way back with jeff emig back in the day they yeah. sponsored him you know yeah that's sick that's but, cool uh, that they have history and stuff with with the sport and like we see the guys out at greer and stuff and it's always cool yeah. to see the the guys working there out there and it's like hey how are you and you have a little catch up so yeah definitely so i was really impressed with your downhill speed today i couldn't believe how <laughs> fast you went down some of the hills so like that comes from riding a bike as a kid and yeah me and my mate you know <clears throat> we didn't do uphills we just went down and we built jumps and we just went down and we went into that uphill stuff we were yeah. in the flats and you know the bros like to take their feet off a little in the air, and yeah. we loved it. It was it was cool, and I mean, yeah. So that big jump you were doing today, where you're grabbing your seat, what was that trick called? T-bog, like a toboggan. Toboggan. Which that sort of, I mean, I'm right. a little rusty on everything because we we would do like a mix between park and and mountain bike. So we rode yeah. BMX in the park and and stuff like that. But obviously, I'm not at the level where I'm doing all the tricks on my mountain bike that i was yeah. doing in the park on the little bike you know 
So last night you asked if I could bring you flat pedals for your bike. Yeah. Right? So if you had been on flats off that jump today, would you have taken your feet off and put the bike in front of you? No, not like that. Maybe just like a nice little, like a table one footer, like a little yeah. Euro one footer. Nothing, nothing crazy, just a little a little sauce or something. Now, I was thinking a bit of a cool photo if we got you uh, whipping it with your left foot hanging down. Yeah. It would match the photo that's going to be on it the cover. It would be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. <laughs> I don't get it like that, that extent, but like yeah. a little something, you know. <laughs> yeah, but but like still same kind of trick. Yeah, sure, sure. So okay, so speaking of that, we're waiting any day now. The uh, any day now, the February issue of Transfer Motocross is going to come out, and you're yeah. our, you're our cover boy, page I'm one. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. So you like, guys are just treating me too good. Getting all this like stuff thrown at me, like someone's got to bring me back down to the ground <laughs> soon. I'm going to have to like get smacked around or something you know yeah yeah i'm stoked on that i can't wait to see how it turns out and yeah hope everyone enjoys it and loves it i mean we were chilling out at practice track on a yeah. late evening cool evening what, it was what was it was it thanksgiving it was thanksgiving yeah we just get the work done go home to a nice turkey that was just it <laughs> we we're out there getting some turkey on thanksgiving yeah so let, let me ask you this as a 19 year old guy who's grown up in the generation of social media and yeah. internet and everything like does magazine cover even really mean that much hell yeah it does because like, yeah it's funny I mean, because it's, i i can understand and stuff but i would much rather a, a magazine cover that's going to sit in a shop than just like a an online digital magazine you know because mm -hmm. like an online digital magazine doesn't have as much effect and it's not as great because you see photos on time on yeah on things so it's just like a website yeah you know what you get that that hard print on the magazine like that's that's it's so forever sick. exactly it's forever and like as a kid you're always looking past like in australia it was dirt bike rider magazine australian dirt bike yeah um gee there's some more i'm pretty sure and you'd just be like oh that's sick you know you walk past with your friends like oh yeah i might be in this one as a kid you know yeah. they've done yeah, some yeah. some stuff as juniors and i'm like oh maybe i'm in this one and it's mm -hmm. like yeah it's it's cool it brings back memories of when you're a kid and i mean yeah, all the greats have been on a cover shot. I mean, yeah. It's, it's... it's funny because, uh, you know, so I've been in the magazine industry for, shit, like 30 years almost. So, so like... A lot longer than things are, been alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, things have changed quite a bit, right? Yeah. And, like, there's companies like advertisers. Advertising is what supports the life of the magazine, sure. right? So, like, there's advertisers that are like, hey, well, we're, we're pulling out of print and we're going... We're going to advertise only on websites now, right? Uh -huh. Which we have a website. We have a very sure. good website. And that's fine and dandy, right? But, like, it's me being an old guy or something. But, like, I'm like, man, here's the deal. It's like when I say take take my motocross out of the picture, right? Sure. Like, I love cycling. Yeah. So before I get on a plane, I'll go to the bookstore and buy a couple magazines. Yeah. I always buy a bicycle magazine, right? Sure. And sometimes well, when I get on the plane, I'm reading it. I read every single page of that magazine. I even look at the ads. Mm. I read the product reports on products I'd never buy in a million years because sure. it's something gay. But Just to but, learn about but it. But I love cycling, so I want to read about everything, sure. right? Yeah, the yeah. ads, the advertisements are part of the experience for me. Sure. Right? But say I go online and I go, oh, I, don't, I want to know if I should buy this tire or this tire. Yeah. And so I like, Compare. you know, Google. Google's so awesome now. You type yeah. type in, you know specialized you know ground control versus yeah, maxis minion, minion you know? and 
some review will pop up on a website, right? Yeah, and you can compare. So then you want to go see it, and you want to read that info, but then a freaking ad pops up. Yeah. And I don't know why, but online, the ad delays my experience. And so, I, so I you get just pissed, and click, I click it out. Yeah, yeah, sure, right? sure. So that's, no, that's why I think, man, magazines matter, you sure. know? Oh, and 100%. Like, I think going digital online magazines, I think... I know I've seen a lot that have tried, and they, in my mind, they fail. Yeah. Because, I mean, no one wants to read a magazine on their phone. Yeah. They want to look at Instagram. They want to look at yeah. Facebook. They want to Twitter or whatever that thing is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they just want to look at stuff to see what's going on in the world, and then that's it. You know, text or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, that's... And then a magazine is something you read. Yeah. A magazine is something like, hey, I'm not looking at my phone. I don't want to see what other people are doing. I mm-hmm. want to read about it. I want to yeah. look at what's going on, like products, blah, 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 whatever it may be. I think that's way cooler. Like yeah. you can't read. So see, that's cool for me to hear you say that. Cause yeah, like, no, I like agree if I you. said, Hey Hunter, dude, Wednesday, we're going to have Wednesday wallpapers, Hunter Lawrence edition. And there'll be like five different wallpapers. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, but sure. then when I said, Hey, you want to be on the cover of the magazine? You're yeah, like, sure. Oh, you're like, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, yeah, I'm against the whole... Well, not against, but I prefer magazines. Yeah. I definitely prefer so-
You've been listening to the Swap Moto Live podcast show presented by Ogio and hosted by my dad, Don Mera. Thanks for listening.